0: This is episode 119 of Relate on following your curiosity with Dean of the Yale School of Drama, James Bundy. We are spending more and more time in the online world looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us, but studies have proven that it's real life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet, so let's sit down and Relate. I am your host, Patrick McAndrew, and welcome to another episode of Relate. Today we have a great guest joining us on our episode. His name is James Bundy, and he is the Dean of the Yale School of Drama. James and I talk a lot in this episode about a lot of important things that I think will really resonate with you all. We talk about, in the world of theater, film, and television, how nowadays there's this commodification of stories, and what does that mean to us as actors. We talk about how screens, our devices, smartphones, specifically, have changed things. It's changed the way that we connect and relate with one another. Specifically for actors, we talk about how dangerous the temptation to focus on how quote-unquote good your acting is could really lead to issues when it comes to performing. James and I discuss how a lot of people in today's society feel bound from societal standards. We discuss what an embodied experience means, how you can never really be right, and why it's so important to follow your curiosity in life. Amongst a lot of other important things that James discusses in this episode, he also talks about the concept of entertaining the ideas of our mortal enemies and why this is so important in today's day and age where a lot of people are so divided in their opinions on the world and why it's so crucially important that we come together and relate so now a little bit more about James James Bundy has served as Dean of Yale School of Drama and artistic director of Yale Repertory Theatre since 2002 He teaches in the acting program at the school and in the theater studies program in Yale College. During his tenure, Yale Rep has produced more than 30 world, American, and regional premieres, nine of which have been honored by the Connecticut Critics Circle as Best Production of the Year, and two of which have been Pulitzer Prize finalists. James has directed productions at Theater for a New Audience, Oregon Shakespeare Festival, Great Lakes Theatre Festival, The Acting Company, California Shakespeare Festival, Alabama Shakespeare Festival, and the Juilliard School Drama Division. James is a graduate of Harvard College. He trained at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art and Yale School of Drama. So we have an amazing episode for you all today. If you think this episode will resonate with someone, whether it's a family member, a friend, or perhaps someone you just met recently, please share this episode with them. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a review, let me know your thoughts. So without further ado, let me please introduce our special guest for this episode of Relate, James Bundy. I'm really excited to have you because just through our, our brief interaction that we had when you came and did the master class with united solo I was, I was very excited to see how you work with actors and and really what is rooted in in training for actors, but specifically your your perspective on this and I only had like the, the smallest of glimmers with that, but this podcast it 's all about the importance of really. Developing a deeper relationship with ourselves as well as with those around us and specifically building meaningful relationships in the digital age where a lot of times and especially now we're very attached to our screens and a lot of times that could tend to distance us from one another. And I think we as, as artists, actors, theater practitioners really have a unique sense in what it means to connect as human beings, uh, what it means to empathize with one another and really to develop a a deep understanding of each other as, as a human species, I guess, to make this a big thing. So I, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Thanks.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm wondering if you could just first start out by sharing with our listeners maybe just a little bit about yourself and what led you on to the path that you're now pursuing today?
1: Well, I suppose in some ways um, it was a failure of imagination because after I got out of college, I really couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do with my life than be in the theater. And I began... I, I, I sort of knew I wanted to be a director, but I didn't really know how to become a director and it seemed easier to become an actor, so I did that and um gradually uh made my way from acting into producing and directing and uh and you know, have uh haven't haven't acted for more than two decades now, but uh but I you know I'm I'm feeling very privileged and lucky to have been able to do what I, what I, you know, I have my dream job now. So I, um, I, I really love being in an environment where we're able to produce theater and where we're also able to offer opportunities for training to young people in every discipline of the art form.
0: Yeah, uh, and I think it's amazing. Yeah, I I was reading that that you've been there since two thousand two. Is that that's correct? Yep. And so that's that's nearly twenty years, which is amazing. So just uh, just congratulations on that uh, accomplishment. Just being somewhere, as especially somewhere so well known as the Yale School of Drama, and I guess going from there with wh- where you're at today and where you've been working for for so long now. Have you seen acting? evolve over these 20 years has, I guess, practices changed throughout the time that you've been at Yale have approaches changed in, in the study of acting, or has things been pretty consistent throughout this time? Well, I think,
1: um, I think that the, the, what makes, what makes quote good acting unquote, um, uh, recognized in our culture uh, does change over time. I think there's a very, in, in you know, and this is not a thought that is original to me, but the, you know, the very great British uh, director and coach, John Barton, um, it, it talks about, talks about it really in every age, particularly about Shakespeare, he talks about the taste that we have varying and but but uh, but you know, certainly in the last fifty years, say, the idea of what is the combination of what is poetic and what is natural, or for some people what is believable um, has uh, has I think become more and more refined and you see increasingly you see people, wanting uh, art to happen at a kind of intimate scale that where it feels like there is no artifice. Um, Hmm. And uh, you know, that I think is driven quite a bit in recent years by the ubiquity of screens, which you referred to earlier in our conversation Um, and, and the commodification, if you will, of storytelling. So, you know, 20 years ago, people used to say, well, nobody's ever gonna wanna see a movie not in a movie theater, right? And now we've got people watching movies on their computer screens and on their tiny little phones. And, So actually it turns out that people really do want, they're really happy to consume the story as it were, in almost any medium. But increasingly I see a sense of young actors, particularly trying to replicate what they think they're experiencing on the screen as a form of truth. And so they're trying to, they're often trying to calibrate their work to what they think the size of truth is, and uh, I don 't think the truth has any size and so we spend I think a good amount of time in the in the training of early career actors, drawing their attention to the elements of the story that they really respond to, both personally and. Within the story's own terms, and and away from uh, ideas about what good acting is.
0: Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. You bring up a lot of good points, and, and one that that really re- resonates with me, just both as a person and then also as an actor too, is uh, I think it's it's very common for us to fall into habits and patterns and, and rhythms and get stuck in those habits and, and patterns and rhythms as well. Based off your experience, especially recently, as you were just mentioning, a lot of times actors are tr- trying to achieve, I guess, this certain level of truth or whatever. With that said, do, what, what do you, in your opinion, do you feel are the biggest struggles that many actors face today?
1: Well, I think there's a there's a very for for actors in training, right, um, in particular, or for actors for early career actors, let's say, um, who maybe are not in a graduate school, but who may be taking classes, or who may be um, you know just starting to work, right, the temptation to uh, there's tremendous temptation to focus on how good is your acting, or are you acting truthfully? Or um, will other people like your acting? Um, And uh, those are kind of traps. And in fact, uh, uh, in a a conservatory environment, one of the big traps, I think, is to, uh, you know, is that you've come to a conservatory, the typical actor comes to a conservatory in order to make their acting better, right? And uh, so it's hard not to focus on the question of how do you make your acting better? Um, which is, of course, imaginatively not a very interesting or provocative or engaging question, right? And uh, so part yeah. of, so um, part of, uh, uh, and, and you know, the, the, I, I know a lot of actors who would say, you know, the audition that they went to where they really didn't care whether they got the part or not, was the one that they booked right away right that where you know no longer no longer being worried about how your acting is it turns out opens you up to all kinds of imaginative possibilities
0: right and,
1: um, and I think it's I think that's the 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 number one challenge for really all actors is to um, escape from the sort of capitalist commodity uh, paradigm of make my acting good so that I can get paid into a place where you feel the power of your own expression and of your own imagination. And and it's based in your ability to, and this is something else you touched on uh, in your intro, it's based on your ability to really see and relate to other people. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think I mean something that has drawn me a lot to the acting profession and and to to theater and and really just storytelling in general is the really powerful and visceral way it has to to bring people together through story. Whether it's or even to tell a story, to to learn about someone who comes from perhaps a very different background from yourself and And you you have the opportunity, in some ways, whether you're watching a play or even a a film or a TV show, you have this opportunity to step into those characters' shoes and at least have some sort of uh, deeper conception of what it is that they're going through. And that, the you know, what you're saying actually made me think of another question regarding, in your opinion, how can actors? portray characters to the best of their abilities is it really a matter of playing and exploring more as opposed to being so worried about that oh is this good is is am i acting the, the, the best that i possibly can i guess how how can actors really portray characters to the fullest
1: yeah well there's a very there's a very great director and author and theorist named Declan Donnellan, who's written a book called The Actor and the Target. And he describes uh, the phenomenon of um, the audience going to the theater as, as being an event in which the audience sees what the actor sees. So,
0: I like that. It's, it's it's so simple, it's so true, but for whatever reason it's like we we don't think about that. I love that. That's right. <laughs> That's
1: right. So so in one sense your job as an actor is to see the world through the eyes of the character. And if you do that, right? If you see if you see the chair you're sitting in or the clothes you put on this morning through the eyes of the character who put them on and you see that character's family or co-workers or opponents um through those same eyes then you're doing your job and the audience can read that experience in you because as martha graham says the body doesn't lie
0: right i think that it's when you really have that opportunity to let go, I, I think is when the the magic happens, and when you can really hit those moments where you feel fully. I, a, a big word that always stands out to me is embodiment. When you have this really full embodiment experience, when you're when you're performing or or even just playing a character, and there's only like one other person in the room, I, I think that that for me that's that's what's so intoxicating about this profession is is really it, it it makes it makes one feel very much alive and i think sometimes it's easy to to <laughs> as sad as it might might sound it's i think sometimes it's easy not to to feel alive sometimes in our our day and age today where sometimes we we feel like we can fall into very mechanical patterns in our everyday life
1: absolutely i think i think um we you know we can hear in the habitual behavior of many people around us um the ways in which uh the ways in which our society they they you 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 can observe or i at least observe uh that people are pretty consistently feeling bound by the society in which they live or the unwritten rules of the culture. So for instance, um, you'll hear a lot of people today um, in conversation who um, will say, so, you know, if, if, I, if I saw you on the street, um, I might say, so I, you know, this morning I got up and I went on the subway and uh, then I went to work and you hear a sort of interrogatory and upward inflection, right, as though um, I'm waiting for your assurance that you're following me or for permission to continue. Hmm. Um, uh, And, you know, my own personal belief is that, particularly for young people, um, adolescence is a time when the broader culture tells us um, it's really only interested in what we're going to buy and not in what we feel. And, uh, and so adolescents are trained to basically live off their voices and outside the arguments that they want to make about the world. And, uh, and so, in, you know, this question of w- what is a truly embodied experience is a really, uh, a really, really important one and much of what is made in the theater is made on the basis of argument right the, the at least two sides of a very important question being being wrestled with by characters and it's hard to wrestle in an embodied way with those with those uh, with those questions if you aren't if your if your voice and if your mind and your voice and your body aren't connected and there's and there's one other really, really interesting phenomenon, I think, and it's probably part a big part of why it is so exhilarating to act and cut loose, is that actually two things are going on at the same time, right? You are you are actually embodying a character's experience, right? But you are also doing a good job of remembering your lines. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not, yes. not running into the furniture, <laughs> and, um, and you know, and within some reasonable bound of agreement with your fellow artists, doing sort of what we did last night, but f- as if for the first time, right? And so that that dual consciousness, right, is um, is a kind of form, of, is is a form of not just physical, but also Spiritual and uh, and mental exercise that uh, I think allows actors um, a feeling of uh, almost getting you know twice as much fun out of life in the in those moments. So you pack you're packing even more into those moments because you're able to live imaginatively and you're also completely in the real world at the same time. And through the benefit of the audience's willing suspension of disbelief, you get this fabulous extra time on the planet, fundamentally.
0: Huh. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. It's uh, I, When you really, you know, p- parse these things out with regards to, because yeah, you're absolutely right, an actor is juggling two things at the same time, really, this imaginative kind of right brain sort of uh uh, i guess practice or or performance or or living and embodiment i guess you could say and then this more left brain very analytical okay i need to open the door at this time i need to be center stage at this moment and it's very fascinating and really a, a powerful feeling when when one is is doing those two things in the in like the flow state or in, when they're really living both of these kind of mentalities at the same time mm-hmm. I, i'm wondering in your experience what, what do you what, what did you have like any i, I guess groundbreaking moments for you as, as an artist or as a teacher that really uh, I guess, impacted you in a, in a very powerful way. I mean, I imagine there, there must have been a, a good amount of these, but maybe one or two that, that really caught your attention and forced you to think about perhaps the art form in a different way.
1: Um, yeah, I, I thought of two uh, that sort of seared themselves into my consciousness. Uh, one was the, uh, the only time I ever missed an entrance. Um, as an actor. And, uh, I was, uh, I was backstage in the dressing room and the, the show had uh, little kids in it. And, uh, so I was playing four square with one of the kids and, uh, and I kind of vaguely in the, in the back of my consciousness heard my cue line for my entrance. Um, and then I heard it again because the actor on <laughs> stage repeated it really loudly, <laughs> <laughs> and so I sprinted. And then, sadly, the line actually was it was from As You Like It, uh, and the line that he had was stuck having to repeat was, "I thank you for your company, but I had as lief have been myself alone." So so he was left saying this line to an empty stage, and I was sprinting around to get to him and luckily it, he had recently been in a production of The White Devil that had some very long speeches, so he just started doing one of them and uh and then I arrived and you know and so that was a big wake up call for me that was i was I was twenty three at the time, and uh i uh, I never forgot that I had really left somebody else in the lurch in that moment. And the other one was a moment when I was in, uh, when I was in acting school um, and I was doing an exercise and I I really basically gave the exercise a hundred percent of my available physical energy. And, um, and the teacher said to me, she said to me, Two things, actually. The first thing she said to me was she said, you know, nobody really wants to see 100% of your available energy. 80 to 85% is going to be just fine. And then I obviously my face kind of fell when she said that to me, um, because, of course, I thought I had all that commitment, all that commitment I had put into the event would be would somehow register as being, you know, um, valiant or. or, or, truly spiritual, or something like that, and um, and she so clearly my face fell, and she looked at me and she said, "You know, James, you can never be right." And that was a, that was a spectacularly important moment for me um, to uh, to get that. To get that perspective on my own work and to understand that it wasn't, it was no longer going to be about that for me.
0: Uh, that's that's a re- very powerful. That that <laughs> we we can never be right. I, I love that a lot, and I I think it, it especially is true in in theater where <laughs> if we're if we're striving for perfection, I, I at least I'm a big believer that that's something that's so. Unattainable, and so yeah, I, I really like that a lot. It's it's a really a, a gentle reminder to to I, I think to go back to what we were saying before to be able to let go and to not necessarily <laughs> you know to tie yourself to being okay. I need to be like, like what you were saying, one hundred percent. I need to be one hundred percent good in order to. I guess fully embody this character and, and have a, an impactful performance.
1: Yeah, and it's um, it's also uh, it's it's not possible, right? It's not possible to be perfect, and uh, and so chasing it is a is a kind of a delusion, right? That uh, and and, um, and it's just not the most it's not it's not the most interesting question. It's, it's, you know, just as it's just as who's smarter than somebody else is not the most interesting question ever, right? It's really, we have, we have more, more important things to figure out in life than who has the most stuff or who's got the most this or who is the most that. Um, Because those kinds of measurements um, leave out the vast majority of what's important in the human experience.
0: Yeah. That that actually leads me really well to my next question, James. Uh, I think there, well, w- with this podcast, we have a lot of actors who tune in, a, a lot of artists, but a-, a lot of actors who are, you know, re- really trying to find their way throughout this industry. And my, my next question to you is going to be, What wor- what words of advice would you have for people who are Either interested in acting, interested in pursuing this field, or for those actors who m- might have a good deal of training, but they're hoping to book more roles in the future. Oh wow! Um,
1: well, I you know I used to be very strong on the. Uh, on the, the, there's a, there's a long tradition, right? Of advising anybody who's thinking about getting into acting that if they can think about anything else they would like to do, they should do that. Right.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. You've probably been
1: given that advice. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Very sturdy, very sturdy advice. Um, you know, and I'm actually at a place now where, uh, I'm I'm re-examining enough of my own assumptions to wonder if that is the best advice that you can give to somebody. Um, So, but you know, I I wouldn't totally dismiss it. Um, But I I think if I were to, um, I think if I were to give advice to people, it would be follow your curiosity. And if you aren't feeling curious, then develop your curiosity, because I think that is a way of getting your focus off yourself into the wider world, which is a much more gratifying place to be than living within the question of what do I do with my life? And if you, if people follow their curiosity and their, you know, which is another way of saying, follow your heart, but follow your heart out, outwards. um, I think the path is much more likely to become clear. And if the path is indeed acting, um, curious actors are generally speaking, very empowered actors.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I would I would uh, agree with that. I mean, I'm I'm still obviously very much early in my career, but the, there's so much in, in my life that that I'm curious about, and and whether it, whether it's a job or a project. And I think what's what's really important too with what you said is that you follow your curiosity, and if you do that, you might find that what you are curious about initially. You're not curious about anymore, and then you go on to to something else. But you'll never know unless you follow that curiosity and develop that curiosity to try new things or or try that new job and really discover what it is you want to be doing with your life. I know that that for me, for there there was a while where I was very unsure, and I think it's very common for a lot of people uh, to go through that and. And it wasn't until I really allowed myself to try out different, different things that I really began to develop a deeper understanding of who it is I am. And I think that the, this carries over very well to what you were saying about if, if someone's interested in acting or even if someone's just interested in anything, uh, to follow that curiosity as opposed to always just wondering what if.
1: Yes, and 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 within the scope of acting itself, um, you know, it's it's one thing to it's one thing to say become the kind of actor who can deliver a persona, and the persona can be commoditized and marketed and um, offered up again and again in in a successful formula for generating revenue. Um, But it's a different thing entirely to be curious about the whole range of the human experience and open yourself up to the possibility that you might play characters who are wildly different from each other in stories of very different tone and shading and, uh, and with different points of access to the human experience, whether they're oriented around music or dance or, um, you know, non Western forms. Um, These are all these are all possibilities for, um, for the actor who is curious about the world.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) there's so much out there. I mean, especially as you were mentioning, talking about the human experience, I'm a big believer that when we're studying acting, we're studying how to be human in a lot of ways, uh, at least in my uh, opinion. And I think this is why actor training is so important. I think that it allows us to gain a, I, I think even living in your normal everyday life if you're observant and if you're aware you're going to gain a deeper understanding of the human experience but i feel like especially in in training as an actor it really allows you to discover new things about yourself and about the world and i'm, I'm wondering just given your your years at yale with the understanding that every actor is going to probably require different types of training. All training is great, but I, I, at least I would assume that that some training is better suited for some actors, while another kind of training might be better suited to somebody else. So, from a Yale perspective, what kind of actors is Yale specifically interested in training?
1: Um, I think uh, I think the you know the, the thing that when I when I look at the cohort of actors who are in the school right now or who have been there historically uh, during my time there. um, I see, I don't see any one kind of actor. I see a a lot of, a lot of people with very, um, very vivid uh, personalities of their own, which are, you know, which are, are, Given to them by the universe, and uh, and I see I, I see um, the actors that I work with as being of uh, artists fully in their own right, who were interested in a conversation about access to uh, techniques and perspectives and habits of mind and body that will allow them to become the artists that they want to be in the wider world. And so I think, you know, we see people who have, you know, on a, on a kind of baseline level, they have an appetite for character. They, um, they have big imaginations. They have, um, they have a willingness to commit uh, their entire instrument, no matter what their abilities, uh, to commit their entire instrument to both the uh, the rigors of training and also to being responsive to their imaginations and politics. And they have a, a strong sense of exactly what you talked about at the beginning, which is um, connection to their fellow artists and shared responsibility for the kinds of storytelling that uh, that matter in a broader theatrical culture um, but there's you know but that's a description of you know a, a great many actors and not it's not meant to be uh, it's uh, I think of it as uh, you know it is it is true that we accept a 16 actors out of about a thousand applicants each year. So there is a, um, there is a numbers issue, but we would, you know, when we're looking at actors in auditions, we're working from the perspective of we want to see them succeed and we want, we want to accept them. We're interested in creating pathways to joy and expression, not, uh, not closing doors out. And in fact, you know, a significant number of, actors who in any given year who don't get into our program go on to have uh, terrific careers either by training at other institutions or by by foregoing any formal training based in a university system um, and finding their own paths and so you know I i see i see Actors and aspiring actors as my future colleagues, and I'm not. I'm not interested in uh, defining what it takes to be a Yale actor or to get into Yale. And I know this isn't what you were asking, um, but I think we're. I think we're really, really interested in being part of a community that, and a professional community. And by professional, I don't mean elitist, I mean a community that um, is prepared to bring its best self where where everybody wants to bring their best selves to the work and to encourage everybody else's best self into the work.
0: Yeah, I, I really love what you were saying about community because I know for a lot of my peers and, and for myself as well and from what it sounds like you as well too, that community is such a huge part of what makes this work so appealing and so attractive is that when you're involved in creating a production or if you're on set for a a film or a television show a a lot of times maybe not all the time a, a lot of it will depend on who you're working with but there's this inherent community that's built and Kind of what to go back on what we were saying before there 's this aliveness that is not often easily found in in other professions, not saying that it doesn 't exist in other professions, but there 's something that 's very i mean it sounds cheesy but it 's something that 's magical about the community aspect that communal aspect of of acting or or even directing or design all, all these elements that go into creating a production. And that, that's personally probably my most favorite thing about acting is being surrounded by a community. And I, I would love if, if you could talk about what, what is it, uh, what, what's your favorite thing about acting?
1: Well, I think, um, I think you've really hit on something. And, uh, you know, if you, if you think about the wider world and the vast majority of professions and interactions that we have they're um they're streamlined and they're efficient and they are um they're designed to get us from point a to point b so that we can do our jobs and uh and our you know the organization that we're working for can meet its goals and so there's a kind of a uh, and agreed upon to a to a greater or lesser degree um suppression of the self, a kind of covering up of of who we are and uh and that is often that covering up is um often both discriminatory and uh wounding so there's a great book on this subject which is called covering um by a professor named kenji yoshino and the you know the uh, the broader, the dominant culture, right, which is a white male patriarchal culture, is consistently pushing uh, other cultures to the margins. So um, maybe maybe people who are black are uh, being discouraged from wearing uh, dreads in the workplace, or people who have children are being discouraged from talking about their kids around the water cooler, or... People who are gay are being discouraged from being flamboyant in the workplace, or people who are Latinx are being discouraged from speaking Spanish in the workplace. And so the these are these are not necessarily overt civil rights violations, right? Um, but they are um, but they are pressures by the dominant culture to conform. And of course, the dominant culture is pressuring itself at the same time to. Uh, To cover up its ignorance and fear. And so everybody loses. And this is a a lot of how white supremacy culture operates and, um, and it needs to be undone. And the theater is in many ways, um, a place where it can be undone, because the whole point of the theater is to actually slow down and take the time to see. And bring to the center of our attention uh, the experiences that that the broader culture is uh, is trying to get us not to look at. And so our job is to take that time and to bring that uh, to bring the thing that is unseen or unrecognized to uh, to the theater. the seeing place and when we are able to do that for me that is the uh that is the that is the great joy is making manifest something that has been uh ignored or uh or shunted to the side or even denigrated in the broader culture and allowing that that story or those people or those experiences to really truly be seen and heard and appreciated.
0: And do you think that's why uh, acting allows us to develop a deeper understanding of ourselves and those around us? Because it really is this medium to be able to explore these different type of Ideas or issues that are going on within our society today.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's I think when it when it's going well um, It's very difficult to um, To argue from the position of a character without without knowing also what you believe and you can you know um liberal and deeply spiritual people can play very effectively people who are not so spiritual and much more conservative than them and vice versa. Right. I mean, um, so I, I, I do think a big, a big part of being an actor, one of the, and one of the best parts of being an actor is, is the ability to, um, to see, to see what may in the broader culture uh be thought of as otherness and actually bring it very very close to yourself and in fact embody it in a way that makes the thing that was strange familiar yeah like the first you know the first great Greek play was the Persians, right? so the the first play was asking Greek audiences uh, uh, to entertain the perspective of their mortal
0: enemies. Huh: Yes, yeah, You're absolutely right. Something that I think a lot of us would would uh, would really benefit from doing. That that I, I don't think a lot of us do.
1: Yeah, well, I think actually our society is set up so that so that folks who are marginalized have to do that all the time. But uh, you know they, they they constantly have are they're constantly being made aware of the perspective of the dominant culture, but the dominant culture um, gives itself often gives itself a pass on this dynamic, right? And doesn't look to see what's going on in communities of color or in queer communities or in uh, disabled communities, right?
0: Right. James, I I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. And you've given both myself as well as all of our listeners a lot to think about and consider when it comes to especially now with all the theaters being closed down, you've given us the opportunity to really think about why this art form is so critically important and still very hyper relevant in 2020 today. And so I appreciate you coming on the show. And I also really appreciate the the care that you have to this art form. It really comes in the way that you're talking and your years of experience working in this industry That I I think that this sort of perspective on, to use your words, the human experience and really figuring out how humans relate to one another is of the utmost importance. So all that said, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thanks,
1: Pat. I really enjoyed talking to you.
0: Before we sign off, I'm wondering if you could just share with our listeners where they could find out more information about you and your work. Is the Yale website the best way to do so?
1: Yes, www.drama.yale.edu.
0: Perfect. Well, make sure to include that link in the show notes for all of our listeners out there. All you have to do is scroll down and click that link provided in the show notes. So, James, I have one last question for you before we sign off. Yeah, how do we, as a society, better relate to one another?
1: Wow, Pat, <laughs>
0: and just... ending ending with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh, that little thing.
0: Oh um, yeah, yeah, you know, just one last little question. You know,
1: I <laughs> think you know.
0: I think this. I think this. This period of
1: the uh of the covid nineteen pandemic has been pretty instructive in that regard right that um, it turns out it turns out that uh slowing down and um, uh, really helps and you know i was i was talking you know we're at, at Yale school of drama and at yale repertory theater we're really looking hard right now at, at, um, at what it means to be anti-racist and how to, how to bring anti-racism to the center of our work. And, uh, and one of the things that I struggle with as somebody who was you know, born into and raised and steeped in uh, the values of uh, white supremacy culture uh, all throughout my life uh is this notion of urgency right and um and you know and i i i mentioned to a colleague that uh, uh my colleague kelvin dinkins jr who's the uh, assistant dean of the school and the general manager at yale rep i said you know i'm struggling with w- what to do you know when is urgency appropriate and uh he said to me he said urgency from his perspective, urgency is appropriate when it's about taking care of an individual person and how they're doing and how they're feeling. Um, and that was uh, that was a gift to me um, because it um, it sort of flipped my it flipped my paradigm of what urgency was. Right? I always thought urgency was about well, you know it's about our mission, it's about our work, but actually when I sort of look at it being at the urgency being about the person right in front of me or the person who is hurting most who's in the room or the person whose trauma has been, uh, has been revisited or the person who is suffering in a pandemic, um, or who is suffering the effects of racism throughout our culture. The, turning my attention to that kind of urgency has been uh, has been very helpful to me. I'm not always great at it, but um, but it's been uh, but it's been transformational. And I I think um, so. I would say that you know I would say if we gave our attention to each other urgently as individuals, as opposed to project workers um we can make a lot of progress
0: yeah i absolutely agree with that and that that's a big reason why i'm i'm doing this podcast is that it's really a way to to really spread the importance of of being present with one another and i love what you were saying about the urgency of of doing that one on one when you're with someone is really giving them your full attention and showing them that okay yes i'm here i'm i'm present i'm i'm here to to listen and and talk and to converse and and to connect i think that's that's super important so uh james thank you so much again for for joining us on the show
1: it's always a pleasure to work with you and uh and i wish you all the best keep up the great work
0: thank you for joining us for this episode of relate You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.